You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. My name is Roger. I am the associate pastor here. I'm super excited to be wrapping up uh, this sermon series, Christmas in July, where we're unwrapping the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If you guys would, I want to invite you to start off with me. It's going to be a little bit of group participation. Um, Look in the seat pockets in front of you or near you, and you will see a little tiny green card that just says, My 10. Go ahead and grab one of those. Um, If you need a pen, we've got some Connect Team folks. Connect Team folks, you got pens? They're running. I beat them to the punch. I'm faster than you guys are. Got to keep you on your toes. Um, if you need pens, it'll be helpful. I encourage you guys to engage with this. This is just for you. We're not gonna, you don't have to turn these in at the, at the end of the service or anything. It's not like your exit ticket to get out of class or something, if you guys are used to that. Um, but I'm going to start off by asking you guys a question today, all right, which is, who are the 10 people whose lives in which you potentially have the most influence? All right, just, just think about like all the relationships. Keep your hands up, they're coming with pens. But be thinking of all the relationships in your life. Who are maybe the 10 people that, that you interact with the most or, or just whatever it is about you has the most influence in their lives? Now, these don't necessarily have to be your 10 favorite people, okay? They don't have to be your 10 favorite people. Um, they don't even have to be the ones you spend the most time with, right? But who is most affected simply by just you being around them? Who's, who's mostly directly affected by like, the quality of work that you do? Or who's affected by your, your like, level of responsibility or irresponsibility, as the case may be? Um, who, who around you in your life is, is just kind of most commonly affected by whatever sort of mood you're in, right? Who's most quickly lifted up when you're joyful or brought down when you're bummed? Um, who's, who's most deflated when you correct them kind of harshly? Or who's most strengthened whenever you encourage something wonderful in them? Just these kinds of questions, right? Just the people that pop in your head, just write them down, right? Um, if you leave somebody out, it's not the end of the world. Um, we won't show this to them, Okay. And while you're thinking, I'll just give you my 10. I'll be really vulnerable. Can I share with you my 10, right? Um, so first person on my list is Angela, my wife. She was just giving announcements in case you weren't clear in that. Um, now, okay, so if, if, you, if you have a spouse and you didn't write your spouse down as number one, it's okay. I'm gonna help you out. This is a freebie. Go down to the bottom of your card, write 11, and then write their name so that later when they see this card, you can say, because honey, on a scale of one to 10, you're an 11, all right? <laughs> There, I just saved you. I just saved you. Marriage advice from Roger. Number two and three on my list, number two and three on my list would have to be my kids probably, right? So Garrett, running slides in the back. Garrett, um, my daughter Audrey, of course, right? So lots of these will probably be our family members. Um, four and five would probably have to be my mom and dad, also hanging out here, um, right? Especially now that we all live in the same town together, right? Sort of who I am and what I do, like decisions I make affects them too. Um, uh, for, six, for six, I'm just going to do a twofer. I'm just going to say my in-laws, because this is my list, so I can double up if I want to. So, but Bob and Sue, right? Like The decisions I make still, who I am affects them as well. Um, um, for six, this is going to be a bigger than a twofer. I'm just going to say siblings, because like, I have one brother who's hanging out with us today from Phoenix, um, but, but Angela's side of the family, there's a bunch of them, so you, my whole list would just fill up with family. So I just put siblings for number seven. You can cheat like that if you want to. It's okay. Um, now, though, if I start thinking about it, of course, like where we work, right? The people we work with, it probably matters a whole lot. So for number seven, I'd have to put Reese, right? Lead pastor here. He's also my boss, 
right? So who I am and what I do like affects him. Probably in parentheses, I'd have to put Mary Margaret in there too. Um, A, because she's a full-time employee. B, because if he's really annoyed with me and has to complain, she's the one that gets to hear it. So, <laughs> you know, or if he's really pleased with me, she gets to hear that too, right? Um, I'd have to also put, and this was actually a close call for between seven and eight. For eight, I'd have to put Kathy, Right, Kathy, wave your hand. Kathy's our office administrator. She is the glue that holds all this together. If anything good happened today, it's probably because Kathy made sure it like, actually happened in some kind of way. So I probably interact with Kathy in the office more than just about anybody else, probably. It's just always happening. Um, beyond that, I will also have to put two other people who are not on staff, but who are like, involved in leadership here. So is Charles in the room? Charles, where are you at? There's Charles, right? He's hiding behind Kathy. There we go. Charles runs our presentation team, and he's helped training all these folks and makes sure slides get put together and all the things. And so if I ever need something changed or anything, it's Charles is the one that like has to do it. So thanks for putting up with me, Charles. Um, and then Peter. Is Peter in the room or is he working today? He might be working. Peter also runs our audio team. So since I oversee all of those things, right, it just kind of affects these people. So but these are just 10, right? I cheated a little bit, so it's more like 18. But, you know, that's the way it goes. But I want you to just hold these people in your heart. And even right now, maybe just kind of like hold them up to like the light of God's love and just recognize what a precious gift it is that you just being in proximity and relationship with these people have some measure of influence in their life. Now, today, what we're going to be talking about as we wrap up this series is I want to talk about leadership. I want to talk about leadership. Now, we can get a lot of different things in our heads when we think about leadership, right? We get impressions of like someone who's just calling all the shots, um, someone who's just being the boss, someone who, you know, there's like a hierarchy of, of order and they're kind of at the top and they tell other people what to do, or they're the people that make the big, big decisions or whatever it happens to be. Um, and some of that might be kind of true, but I want us to think about leadership in, in a bit of a different light today. Um, and if you, if you try to do any Googling about like leadership or if you read any books on leadership, someone you're always going to hear about is John Maxwell. Um, I like about 70% of what he says. The other stuff, I'm just like, okay, whatever. Um, but I love his definition of leadership. This is what he says. Leadership is not about titles, positions, or flowcharts. It is about one life influencing another. Leadership is about your life influencing someone else's life. These 10 that, that, are, that are on your card right there, you have leadership in their life, whether or not you have some sort of position of leadership, right? Whether or not you have some title that therefore like places you above them in some kind of organizational way or something like that. These are people that by God's design and the way he's caused us to work as human beings that you have influence and leadership in their lives. Now, all of these people on your card have, have needs that in perhaps in some way you might be called upon to meet at some point, right? It could be a small little need, right? Like they just need you to make them a sandwich, right? It could be a big need, like they have some major life decision that they need some direction in, whatever it is. That all these people in some way or in some form, they're going to need direction from you. They're going to need support from you. Now, ask yourself honestly, are you up to the task, right? Or maybe to put it a little bit more like a darker way, like do you really have what it takes to bear the weight of, of that kind of responsibility 
of influencing these 10 people. Now, if we're honest, and I just, I encourage us to be honest today, maybe in a couple of them, you're like, yeah, man, I kind of got this. Like, this is good. I'm doing this. But if I look at my list as a whole, I got to be honest. Like, I don't know that I really do. There's, there's going to be needs that are beyond anything that I can bear. There's going to be questions asked of me that there's no way that I can answer. There's going to be days when, like, I quite frankly, just don't care enough to support somebody, right? Like, there's going to be all the things that go into making me a limited human being that cause me to kind of cringe a little bit at that list and go, oh, wow, I, I, I hope I can be good, but I don't know. Now, but I'm, I'm here today to give you guys some good news is that whatever we lack in the natural, we have access to in the supernatural. So this is where we're going today. Whatever you lack in the natural to, to influence these folks on your list in a positive way, you have access to in the supernatural. So we're going to be reading this morning in 1 Corinthians 10. We've, we've read a bunch from 1 Corinthians 10 just kind of throughout this message series almost every single week or 12. Did I say 10? Ignore that. We're going to delete that out later. Um, if I say wrong names or numbers, it's the magic of the internet. You just erase it, right? <laughs> I wish that was true. Charles is taking notes now on all the things he thinks he has to edit out of my sermon today. Um, 1 Corinthians 12. We've read it a bunch, um, but we're going to read it today through this lens of influence and through this lens of leadership. I'm also going to be reading today um, in the Kingdom New Testament version. This is N.T. Wright's translation, partly just to give us a different version. And also, I just found really interesting some of the ways he phrased things. Uh, but before we read, would you guys join with me in prayer? We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us hear him today. Yeah, God, we humble ourselves before you this morning. And we thank you for these 10 that we've written down. We thank you for all the many more people that you have placed in our lives and that some reason by your grace and your sovereignty, you've seen fit for us to have influence and leadership over them. And we just hold that humbly as something that you have entrusted to us. And we just pray, God, today, would you help us to hear you clearly? God, I pray that you would open up our ears, that you would open up our minds to hear you differently, to think differently, open up our eyes to see ourselves differently. We want what you want today. So Holy Spirit, come, make the words of your scriptures come alive in our hearts. Breathe your life into us. Pray that your words would speak much more loudly today than my own. Amen. Amen. So here we go. So we're going to start off 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1, then we'll skip to 4, and we'll read through 11. Um, Paul's writing this to the church. He says, now, about things relating to the Spirit's work, my brothers and sisters, I don't want you to remain ignorant. There are different types of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different types of service, but the same Lord. And there are different types of activity, but it is the same God who operates all of them in everyone. The point of the Spirit being revealed in each one is so that all may benefit. One person is given a word of wisdom through the Spirit, another a word of knowledge by the same Spirit, another faith through the same Spirit, another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, another the working of mighty deeds, another prophecy, another the ability to distinguish spirits, another various kinds of languages, another the interpretation of languages. It is the one Spirit, the same one, whose work produces all these things. And the Spirit gives different gifts to each one in accordance with the Spirit's own wishes. 
Now, what, what, what Paul is describing here in this letter and what he's really speaking to in all of, of 1 Corinthians for the most part is what happens when, when the gathering of believers gets together, right? What happens when these Christians in this city of Corinth gather together weekly for worship and throughout the week in homes and different things that are going on? And he's saying one of the things that happens is that the Holy Spirit shows up and starts doling out these gifts. And he has some sort of plan, right? He has, N.T. Wright says, according to his own wishes. Um, the, the, the NIV, I think, says according to the Spirit's desires, right? Like he has desires that he wants to see happen. Now, this word here is really interesting that Paul uses. So I'm going to throw one Greek word at you guys today. You guys ready? It's a fun one. I promise. Right? Everybody say this word with me. Charismata. It's easy. There you go. One more time. Charismata. Now, this is the word that usually in, in our English translation translates to gifts. Um, but it's, a, it's an interesting, fun word because it's actually kind of two bits per, put together. The first bit is this word charis, Right? Um, this is actually a, a popular like, girl's name these days, right? Anybody know any girl's name, Karis? It's a great name, right? Who knows what Karis means? Grace. Karis means grace. What a lovely name for a girl, right? So, so some people name their girls Grace in English, some go Greek and they say Karis, right? But what's important to understand here is that that is the root of all of this business about the gifts, right? Is that they're rooted in grace, uh, I love this, this uh, definition by Dallas Willard. It's my favorite about grace. He says that grace is God acting in our life to do what we cannot do on our own. This is key. Hang on to this. Grace is God acting in our life to do what we cannot do on our own. Now, first, what we cannot do on our own for ourselves, Right? It's also what we cannot do on our own for other people. Grace has to come into the picture somehow. So that's the, that's the main chunk of charismata, these gifts. They're, they've got to do with grace. Now, the, the suffix at the end of it, mata, this is, it's a diminutive, right? It's sort of like in Spanish when you have like ato or ito, right? It's like little, right? Like if I call Audrey mijita, it's like saying like my little daughter, right? Not just hija, but hijita. Um, or like, like burro. Burro is a donkey. A burrito is a little donkey. I don't know why you would name a rolled up tortilla with meat and beans a little donkey. You just, just put it in your mouth. Don't ask questions. Just put it in your mouth. It'll change your life, right? So, but this atorito in Spanish, right, meaning a little bit of thing, it's kind of what's happening in Greek when we have mata, right? So we have charis, mata. This is why John Wimber, the grandfather of the vineyard, he would, call, he would call the gifts of the spirit gracelets. Gracelets, like these little bits of grace, like chiclets. You guys remember chiclets, the little bits of gum, right? Gracelets are little bits of God's grace that get doled out. They're, they're tangible expressions of God doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves and what we cannot do for others. Spirit steps in and does it. And so we ought to expect, right, that there's different kinds of gracelets that get handed out because there's different kinds of needs that, that we cannot meet on our own. We're going to constantly bump up against something where we hit the end of ourselves and we need the Holy Spirit to do something. Now, I want to unpack this last little bit here in verse 11, where Paul says that the Spirit gives these different gracelets, right, 
to each one in accordance with the Spirit's own wishes or the Spirit's desires, what he wants to see happen. Um, and I just want to suggest, and this is a, just really a suggestion, um, of three possible questions that the Spirit kind of like asks himself that determines the distribution of gifts. Now, to, totally honest, like I realize that if we're ever trying to presume that we fully understand the thought processes of God, that we're like probably on like shaky ground. But, but I think this makes sense, right? I think this kind of helps, right? If, if we don't have something like this, then it's like, is the Holy Spirit just kind of tossing them out like willy-nilly? Like, I don't think so. I think, I think he's very strategic. I think he's very intentional with to whom and why he gives certain gifts. So here's question one. I think the Spirit asks. Holy Spirit shows up at Vineyard Augusta on a Sunday morning. He looks around the room and he goes, who needs a little bit of grace, right? He's just kind of scanning the room real quick. And of course, he knows everything that's going on with everybody. So he's asking, what needs are present at the moment? What needs are represented here in the room today? Right, like, is someone sick? Is somebody hurting in their body? Is someone depressed? Is someone in financial hardship? Is someone out of a job? Is someone in a tight situation that they just, they can't figure out what's the right thing to do? Is someone desperate to hear from God, but they just, they feel like spiritually deaf? Is someone suffering in a broken relationship? Like anything, right? Like whatever kind of needs, he's just scanning the room and he's just like ticking them off in his brain. He doesn't have to write it down. He has a really good memory. And he's like, okay, got all the needs. Second question, right? And keep this in mind. He's, he's aware of the needs of your 10, right? Those are not escaping him, him. You know some of these needs. You can look down this list that you have and you already know, oh, you can now name them. He, he sees them all and more. So then once he names these needs, I think the spirit asks this. He goes, hmm, which gracelet will best meet that need? What little bit of grace, what charismata, what little gift can I give that will meet that specific need right there? Someone need healing or, or comfort, um, help or just generosity? Does someone need just some good teaching? Do they need a prophetic word? Do they just need some kind of clear direction of where to go and what to do and how to do it? Do they need wisdom? Right? He, he's then, he wants to give that exact gift. And the Spirit of God loves to do that. He loves to meet needs. He loves to meet your needs. He loves your 10, and he wants to meet their needs. Those ones on there that you really feel that you love deeply, he loves them even more. So he, he looks around, he asks, who needs a little bit of grace? Then I think he asks, okay, well, which gracelet meets that need? And then third, he asks, how can I get that gracelet to that needy person? How am I gonna do it, right? You know how he does it? You. You. Now, thankfully, if, if you're kind of out of pocket for a moment, he can, he can do this another way. Now, and this is, this, is, this, is, this is how I think it works. So Garrett, when he was really little, um, went through this phase where he loved UPS trucks. Anybody else go through a UPS phase? Right? Like, and he didn't care at all. Jan is honest. Um, <laughs> now, the truth is, he didn't know what they were doing, right? He had no concept at this age of like, Packages that there were like deliveries, like people had ordered something from Amazon and like they were waiting for it to arrive, you know? He didn't understand what was happening. He was just more excited about these drivers that had no doors and these giant brown trucks, you know, 
with their like matching outfits. He just thought this was the coolest thing. And so anytime we're driving around truck around town, he would just kind of get super excited. And we'd be like, here, look, there's a UPS truck. And he's like, oh my gosh, it's super cool. Um, so one day we're in like the north end of town. We lived in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And up at the north end of town um, was like a, a, a UPS sorting facility. So me, unthinking one day, we're, we're like driving up to the north part of town and we're stopped at a stoplight right at the main road where they're all coming out of the UPS sorting facility. And I'm like, oh, Garrett, look, there's a UPS truck. And he's in the back seat. And he's like, oh, wow. And then another one and another one and another one. It's like a dozen UPS trucks go by and like his head exploded. You know, he couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe it. But here's the thing. Oftentimes in the church, this is how we get excited about the gifts of the spirit. We get more excited about the delivery driver than the gift. We get more concerned about who has what gift or I have this gift as opposed to like, no, no, no. The real exciting thing is the gift itself, getting to that person. And so what what God needs, what the spirit is looking for in a room where he's saying, I have these gifts, what he is looking for is like, who's willing to drive? Who's willing to step out and say, okay, I'll do it. Now, and just by way of like analogy, okay, let's pretend for a, more, a moment um, that, that Jude like broke his leg skateboarding because your name is Jude, <laughs> right? And Jude's in a lot of pain and, and Jude comes in some Sunday morning and he comes up to me and he's like, Roger, I hurt my leg so bad and like, it's just killing me and it's broken and they say it's gonna take forever to heal and I just can't bear it. I can't deal with this. And can someone pray for me for healing today? I'm like, okay, Jude, sit tight. And so I come up here on the stage, and I'm like, all right, church, here's the deal. Um, uh, Jude hurt his leg, so who has the gift of healing? Anybody here? And I'm like, oh, dang, hang on, okay. And I go back to Jude, and I'm like, Jude, sorry, man. Like, the three or four people here with the gift of healing, they're not here today. And, like, come back next week? Oh, it's Pulse next Sunday. You won't be in here the whole time? Well, okay. We'll, we'll get someone to get you out of Pulse, and hopefully they'll be here too, Right? Sometimes, and I'm, 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 this is just me being honest, I'm a little bit uncomfortable with using language about the gift, saying so-and-so has this gift, right? Um, we don't have the gifts any more than the UPS driver has your package. They're the Spirit's gifts. And they're not even intended for me. They're not even intended for you. They're intended for Jude. They're intended for that person who's struggling with depression. They're, they're intended for that person who needs deliverance. They're intended for that person who needs an encouraging prophetic word from the Lord, right? And so what's happening is the Holy Spirit is just saying, okay, Jude hurt his leg. Who's willing to drive? Who's willing to take a risk? Who's willing to try to just be the person that's like, I don't, I don't know if God can use me to bring healing like that, but I'm sure willing to look foolish trying, right? And he does it again and again and again and again. So the way that the Spirit gets the gifts to the people that need them is through you and through me. You are a primary UPS delivery driver to your 10. And this is where Paul goes on. We're gonna jump down to verse 12. We'll continue reading here, right? He says, let me explain. Just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is the Messiah. For we all were baptized into one body, 
by one spirit, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free, we were all given one spirit to drink. For the body indeed is not one member, but many. If the foot were to say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, that wouldn't make it any less a part of the body, would it? And if the ear were to say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body, that that wouldn't make it any less a part of the body, would it? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were the sense of hearing, what would happen to the sense of smell? But as it is, God has organized the members, placing each one individually in the body according to his wishes. If all the parts were one member, where would the body be? So the result is this. There are many members, but one body. The, the picture that Paul is painting here, right, is, yeah, we gather together in these situational moments, and, and in the situational moments, there are needs present, so the Spirit is trying to meet those needs through these gracelets that he's just looking for who's willing and available to be that delivery driver, to deliver that package to the person. But in the context of this, we're, we're still not just individuals, we are part of a whole, right? What I would say is this, is that the, the body of Christ is an interdependent organism whose lifeblood is grace. You and me, gathered in this room, all of us who belong to Jesus, in conjunction with everyone throughout the world who is follower of Christ, we are an interdependent organism whose lifeblood is grace. We all influence and lead and minister to one another. This is one of the distinct differences, I think, that we have to grasp of of leadership as Christians is that leadership is not top-down because there is no top and there is no down in the kingdom of God, right? I believe, and we'll be reading this in a few weeks or months, a couple months probably by the time we get to this point in Ephesians, right, where he talks about mutual submission, right? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We all influence and lead and minister to one another. You, you You are a conduit of grace to your ten, And thankfully, by God's goodness, your 10 are also conduits of grace to you. It's not just a one-way street. This is is the picture of the body that Paul is trying to paint. Grace is not just flow from me to you and never the other way around. Grace always flows back and forth between each of us. He goes on in verse 27. He says, now you together are the Messiah's body, and individually you are members of it. In the church, God has placed apostles first, then prophets, then teachers, then powerful deeds, then gifts of healing, helpful deeds, organizational gifts, different types of languages. Not everyone is an apostle, are they? Not everyone is a prophet. Not everyone is a teacher. Not everyone does powerful deeds. Not everyone has gifts of healing. Not everyone speaks with tongues. Not everyone interprets. Now, what's interesting here, by the time if you read through 1 Corinthians 12, it seems like Paul kind of shifts his language a little bit, right? He starts off talking about about these gifts of the Spirit as if they're very situational, right? There's just a need present, and the Spirit just kind of starts handing them out. You get a gracelet. You get a gracelet. You get a gracelet. That's where Oprah got it from. (laughs) But... If you read later on here, and again, we'll read this part later on in Ephesians, Paul talks about it in different places in slightly different ways. It almost sounds like he's talking about positions in the local church, right? 
just by the language he's using. He's, he's not talking about prophecy as a gift, but he's saying that there's a prophet. He's not talking about teaching just as like a gift that happens one time. He's talking about someone who is a teacher, right? He's not just talking about apostleship, but people who are actually apostles. Um, this, is a, this is a way that it sometimes often works. Um, positional leadership is also a thing, right? Positional influence is a part of it. Again, I have positional influence in my family just because like, I am Angela's husband. She is also my wife. Um, so that goes both ways, mutual submission. Um, I have some influence over my kids because I am their father, right? In the church, this sort of works the same way as well sometimes. But I want to say this, is that positional leadership is inadequate without the gracelets of the Spirit. Positional leadership is absolutely inadequate without the gracelets of the Spirit, right? Leadership is not about positions and titles, Right? But positions and titles are a form of influence. But if that's the only place that we're expecting to have influence, then we're missing something. If you sit there and you think, oh, well, I'm not a leader because I don't have a title or position, hopefully I'm already kind of undoing that thinking in your head a little bit, right? Uh, conversely, if you're sitting there thinking, oh, well, I'm in a position of leadership, so I don't really need the gracelets of the Spirit, you've really got some like, thinking that needs to be undone as well, right? We are completely dependent on grace and the gracelets. And I'll speak even for me. So this is me. Like, I'm, I realize like, I'm giving this sermon as like a professional Christian, right? Like, I'm like, kind of like paid to be a Christian, you know? Um, I don't think of it that way, but it could look that way, right? Um, and and one, of, one of my jobs and one of the things that I'm, I'm like paid to do is I'm paid to teach, right? And I love it. I love preaching. I love opening up the scriptures and helping us think about it and engage with it in new kind of ways, right? So, so I've got position there. Right? And, and so, and I've got like some skills. I've got some training. Um, I have a fair amount of experience in that. I'm well over my 10,000 hours when it comes to preparing and delivering sermons. But every time, I did it again this morning. I took my dog on a walk around our neighborhood and, and I just prayed. And one of the things I prayed was just, Lord, today would you give me the gift of teaching? Would you, by your spirit, just give the gift of teaching? And again, why? Not for my sake, but for your sake. I'm praying that for you guys because what you don't need is someone standing up here who thinks he's a know-it-all and has put in his 10,000 hours and just talks for 35 minutes and, and thinks he's done his job. There are things that you need to hear from God that I don't even know if I'm saying the right things all the time. And what it needs is those gracelets of the Spirit need to be constantly dropping out of my mouth and into your ears as if I'm just the UPS driver, right? So even me, like in the work that I do... As a pastor, I try to remind myself to constantly be in a place of just being a conduit, being a delivery driver of those gifts of the Spirit. And I've felt the times, guys, man, I've, I've done this long enough now, been pastoring 15 years. Like, I know the times that I'm doing it out of my own wisdom. I know what that feels like. I know the times that I'm doing ministry just out of my own experience or out of my cleverness or out of my training or out of my whatever. And I know the difference of what it feels like when the Spirit of God is allowed to hand out the gifts that he knows that people need. And let me just say this. So small group leaders, we've got small group leaders kicking off this week. If you're, if you're leading a small group, would you stand up really quick? Where are you guys at? I'm not going to name everybody. Stand where you are. There's several here. Yay. Thank you, guys. You may be seated. Um, again, we've got 15 groups starting up in a few weeks. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. But listen to me. Let me just speak to you guys, small group leaders. 
I know we have a meeting coming up next week, but I'm just going to steal extra time with you right now. Small group leaders, be those kinds of leaders. Your people need you to be those kinds of leaders that just depend on the Holy Spirit, right? You've got your experience. You're going to make your plans. You're going to do all the logistical things you know you need to do. That's great. Do those things. But small group leaders, worship leaders, connect team leaders, kids church leaders, V youth leaders, leaders of whatever here in this church, be those kinds of leaders where we are constantly dependent on the gracelets of the spirit to do the real work. And, and church members, let me just say to you guys, and I know I see, I see a handful of folks in here. I've never seen you before in my life, so maybe you're visiting today. Um, find a church with those kind of leaders. There's a lot of churches that don't have those kind of leaders, right? And there may be great churches and they may be great leaders, so I'm not just trying to like um, trash talk them. I'm not even trying to claim that we are like better. <laughs> we might not be, but we're trying. Seek those kinds of leaders who you know are like putting in the work, right? They're being smart about it. They're doing the right things. They're not doing the wrong things. But seek those leaders who you know also are submitted to the Holy Spirit and trust him to take over wherever they end. Because all of us leaders come to the end of ourselves where we know, like, I can't make anything happen. I can stand up here and teach. I can't make anything happen in your minds. I can't make anything happen in your hearts or your lives. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to do that. And everybody, be those kinds of leaders in the lives of your 10. Be those kinds of leaders in the lives of your 10. Let's wrap up by looking at, at the very last verse of 1 Corinthians 12. Love this. Paul wraps all this up by saying, you should be eager for the better kinds of gifts. I particularly like this. This might have been the verse that made me decide I wanted to do, do the Kingdom New Testament translation today. You should be eager for the better kinds of gifts. And now I'm going to show you a better way, a much better way. A couple quick things about what Paul is saying here. First, this, 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 this business about being eager, right? He means like, be zealous for it. Be like, like burning for it. Be like, like boiling up with it. One of the translations of this word could actually be like envy, right? Like, look at other people with these gifts and like envy them and covet them. Wait, isn't coveting a sin? I don't know. Just, this is what Paul's saying, right? <laughs> Want them so badly that when you see other people that have them and, you, and are operating in them and you're not getting to be that delivery driver, that you're like, dang it, why am I not the delivery driver? I want to do it too. I want to do the stuff too. It should make you a little bit mad. You should have some FOMO. Why not me? Well, traditionally we think, oh, because you don't have that gift. Well, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's the way it works. I've prayed, I've prayed for healing over people like so many times in my life. Only once did it happen miraculously and blew my mind, right? Well, that's fine. I'll take that one. I'll pray for hundreds of people. All I need is that one. But he's saying long for it. You're like busy yourself to get it. Like strive after it. Like, not sitting back passively, just going, well, you know, if, if God wants to use me in some kind of way, he'll just do it. No, he won't. Like, 
Like the UPS driver doesn't accidentally deliver the right packages to your house, right? He's got to put on his little brown shorts. He's got to get in his big brown van. He's got to follow the GPS. He's got to scan the right box. He has to walk up to your door. He has to scan the box again. He has to ring your doorbell and he has to leave. That's it. We have things that we still have to do. Paul's saying eagerly, go for them, go for them. Guys, seek to put yourselves in positions where there are needs that you cannot meet. Listen to me. Put yourself in positions where you know there are going to be needs that you cannot meet. And then when you're there, avoid the two temptations, which are fight or flight, right? Sometimes we come up against needs we can't meet and we fight it. That means we want, we're just gonna do it. We're gonna make it happen. We're gonna do it out of our own energy and our own strength and our own wisdom and our own cleverness, or our own experience, our own whatever. Like, resist that one. Resist flight. Sometimes we bump up against needs we can't meet, and we just shut down. We disappear, we leave, we walk away, and like, I don't, I, I don't know. I can't do it. Well, yeah, you can't. But instead, I try to think of a good F word to like match up with fight or flight. Why you got to chuckle at that? Um, I couldn't come up with one. Don't fight it. Don't flight. Don't run away. Eagerly seek the gracelets of the Spirit. You're there. You're just like, okay, Holy Spirit, it's got to be you or it's nothing. You're on the hook, not me. What do you have for this person? Eagerly desire them. Then what does Paul mean by greater? This has always bugged me a little bit. I think I figured it out this week. I cracked the code. At least, it's satisfying at least for me for right now. Um, does he mean that there's like some hierarchy of gift? Like, right? They're like, well, this gift is better than that gift. And if you're gonna settle for that one, well, then I'm better than you because I've got this one, right? I don't think that's what he means. Because what the, what the word means is like the gifts that are most useful, the gifts that are most advantageous, the gifts that are more serviceable. Well, like more useful to whom? Or more serviceable to whom? Or more advantageous for whom? Well, not you. You're irrelevant in that equation. What is the gift that's most useful to that person? The gift that's more advantageous for that person, that's more serviceable to meet the need of that person. That's what's greater. In any given moment, whatever determines the, what, what determines the greaterness of a gift is the need. If someone needs a word of prophecy and you're trying to pray for healing for them, guys, like, you, they might get a gift, but it's not the greater one that they really need, right? So to whoever is within your sphere of influence, whoever you lead that has a need that you yourself are unable to meet, seek the grace of God. Just be the delivery driver. This is the way leadership works in the kingdom. If you guys would, pull your, your, your 10 card back out. Look at it again. I'm just going to take a couple of moments. I just invite you to take a couple of moments to kind of prayerfully meditate on these folks. In fact, why don't you stand up with me? And I encourage you to stand up like in an attitude of prayer, right? Hold that in your hands. And of course, Paul goes on after this and he talks about I'm going to show you a better way, a more excellent way. He starts talking about love. And what we do is we hold these people up to the Lord, eagerly designed gifts of God's grace to them, motivated out of our love for them. 
and out of his love for them. Guys, leadership is for you. The Spirit's gracelets are for you. You know, there's like two really common responses when it comes to leadership and the gifts, and they're both, they're both kind of the same, right? Like we think, oh, leadership, it's, it's not for me. Leadership, it's not for me. Or, or like, the, like the gifts of the Spirit, oh, the, the gifts of the Spirit, they're not for me. They're not for me. I, I feel like the Lord has like just one response for you this morning. If, you're, if you feel like you kind of resist either one of those like that. And I feel like the Lord's response is, I respectfully disagree with you. Leadership is for you. Just because he has organized you in the body, in this world, in positions to have influence. And his gifts are absolutely available to you. So this is our prayer for us this morning is may we be people who are zealous to deliver the most helpful gifts to our 10 and beyond. God, would you make us into those kinds of people? God, forgive us for those times where we make it more about us than about those who are in need. Forgive us for those times when we are too afraid to be a delivery driver. Forgive us for those times where we try to fight and we want to cause things to happen out of our own strengths or our own abilities. Forgive us for those times, God, where we just shut down, where we run away, where we avoid. Help us to be like you, Jesus, where we're present to the needs and we're excited to join with you in your work in people's lives. Amen. Amen.